let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, we pray that we would indeed be able to join with the psalmist this day in saying all people that on earth do dwell. Sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. But our confession is there are days that we don't want to sing at all and certainly not with a cheerful voice. That we pray that on moments and days like that that we would stop and reflect and realize that whatever our predicament might be there is a background and a backdrop of many blessings of the Lord that we ought to consider and to give thanks for. And without limiting or minimizing the difficulties anybody might be in, may we remember this, that we can always look around ourselves and see others who are worse off than we are. That we realize that we are commanded to gird up the loins of our minds. And we understand that to mean that we are to prepare our minds. And we are not allowed to let feelings or wayward thoughts dictate to us. We confess that so much of our Christian sojourn is lived out in a world of fear and almost paralysis. But we pray that we would remember who you are. And we pray that we would remember what you have done. May we remember that this is a planet that has been visited by the eternal God in human form. We think back to the manger in Bethlehem, and these are utterly astonishing things, and we ask you to forgive us if familiarity with that story breeds an air of contempt with us, or at least an air of taking things for granted. We pray at a time of year like this we would be able to harness uh, the attention that is given to Christmas, and that we remind people around us that God so loved this world that he sent his only begotten Son to whosoever believes in him should not perish <clears throat> but have everlasting life. O oh Lord, our oh God, we thank you for so many blessings. We thank you for the sound of little voices in our midst this day. Bless the young, born and unborn in our midst today. Bless those who are getting on in years who are struggling with them the difficulties that come with old age. We remember people who are in homes. We remember people who are in hospitals that we know of and are related to be a blessing to them. And others in mid-years or whatever age they might be, O oh Lord, our oh God, may we remember this, that in you we live and move and have our being. And that our dependence upon you is absolute and uh, utter. Remember those who are mourning the loss of loved ones. Maybe also long, long ago, we remember in particular those who are dreading Christmas time. It's a time when families get together, and that's a great blessing. But there are empty places, and that revives uh, the pain for so many. But, O oh Lord, our God, may we be thankful this day that we can be part of your family. Because if we are part of your family, not even death can conquer us. Because you have conquered it for us. And so we pray that we would reflect your kindness and your goodness and your grace to us. So we For my young people's address today, I'm going to tell you a little bit of what happened to me um, last uh, weekend. As you well know, I was over preaching in the Isle of Rasi. I had I, I had uh, promised to do a communion there. I think it was way back in about June, but I had COVID at the time, so I wasn't able to go. So uh, this was me. Um, 
kind of making amends. And I, I wasn't doing a communion last Lord's Day, but uh, I was over preaching in Rasi. Now, Rasi, if you look at Scotland on a map, Rasi is an island right beside Skye on the west coast of Scotland. And to get there, I had to go up to Achnasheen and then take the Lochcarran Road and then head over for Kyle cross the bridge over into Sky, and then go through the village of Broadford and a bit beyond Broadford there's a wee place called Sconser and that's where you get the ferry to the Isle of uh, Razi. But someone did text me a couple of days beforehand uh, to tell me that the weather forecast wasn't good and that reminds me that I've forgotten to mention about the prayer meeting here on Wednesday. It will all be on, online on Wednesday uh, simply because of the weather forecast. They're forecasting that we're going to have snow on. There's no need for people to be out on roads when we can have, have it online. So uh, I meant to say that at the outset, but forgot all about it. But at any rate, this man texted me and said, you better phone on the Saturday just to make sure that their ferry's running. So I did. I phoned about 1 o'clock on Saturday, between 12 o'clock and 1 o'clock on Saturday, and... Uh, person that I spoke to said, well, there were no ferries running this morning, but it started running now. So I thought, okay, I'll head over to Sconser to get the ferry. I didn't want to arrive in Skye and Scott Sconser, and the ferry wasn't sailing. So off I, off I said, but I wasn't sure how long uh, to give myself to travel there, so I, um, I was generous in, in the amount of time I gave myself. I was aiming for the last ferry, which sailed at half past six. And I thought, well, right, I, that, that's the ferry I'm going on. And, and off I went. But unusual for me, I got there over an hour before the ferry sailed. And uh, I was hardly in the car park when I was, the ferry came in and I was told to get on board. And uh, I drove on board and, and then the ferry sailed at half past five. And I was feeling, I was honestly feeling a wee bit guilty because I was the only one on the ferry and I was thinking, you're sailing the, this boat just to get me across. At any rate, I got over to, to the Isle of, uh, Isle of Rasi. I didn't discover until later on that the half past six ferry didn't sail because the weather got even worse. And as I reflected on that, I thought, you know what? Somebody is looking after me. Somebody has got me onto this island to do what I meant to do. I haven't got the ferry that I was intending to get, but I wouldn't have got it anyway. Someone is looking after me. And of course, the someone I'm referring to is God himself, the God that we're here to worship today. As I reflect on that kind of scenario, do you know what? God is looking after us all the time, every single day. But our problem is this, very often we forget that. And not only do we forget it, we forget to give God thanks for his looking after us every single day. The song we began with today is, All people on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Now we may be here with many difficulties today, but we have many things also that we have to give thanks to God for, and we have to sing his uh, praises. And I hope that's the way it is with each and every one of us here this day, young and old. Let's sing again to God's praise. This time it's Psalm number 40. Uh, Psalm 40, it's page 259 of the Psalter, and it's at the beginning of uh, the song. Psalm 40, at the beginning, I waited for the Lord my God, and patiently did bear, at length to me he did incline my voice and cry to hear. He took me from a fearful pit and from the miry clay, <clears throat> and on a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. We'll sing verses 1 to 5 of Psalm 40. I waited for the Lord my God.
Now let's read God's word as we find it in the Gospel according to St. Matthew and at chapter 1. And we'll read at the beginning of uh, the chapter. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, at the beginning. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph. And Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham. And Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh, the father of Amos. And Amos, the father of Josiah. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, and Abiud, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azar. And Azar, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim, the father of Eliud, and Eliud, the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer, the father of Mathan, and Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations <clears throat> from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, uh, Joseph, being a man, uh, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Amen. And may God bless to us that uh, reading from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord our God, we pray that as we read the scriptures... And as we seek to explore them, that you would come in amongst us to help us. We realize that this whole venture today will be sheer futility 
if it is done in our own strength. We ask you to have mercy upon us. We are sinners and we have forfeited everything, absolutely everything. And it's not that we are even neutral this day. We come with mountains of provocation. But we come because you have not only invited us, but you have commanded us to come with all our need and all our sins to the footstool of Christ. We pray that as we read these names that Jesus has, that we would remind ourselves that every single name is a window into who he is. He is indeed Emmanuel. May we never ever forget that, that the eternal God walked this earth for 33 years. May we never forget why he did it. He did it to redeem us from our sins. And even as we read that ancient genealogy this day, we read of characters in it who were people who got things so wrong in life's journey. We read of a a Rahab who was a prostitute. We read of Manasseh who uh, offered up children as sacrifices to a foreign god. These are awful deeds. But the reality is this. We are all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We all have the same nature. And we cannot but look at all around us and say, but for the grace of God, there go I. So we come in all our need this day, pleading for your mercy, pleading that you would come in amongst us and that you would do us good. And whatever we ask for ourselves, we ask for the church worldwide this day. And we ask indeed for our own family circles, wherever they might be. O Lord our God, we pray that we will all be together on the shores of eternity because we have you as our Savior. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's sing again to God's praise. It's uh, Psalm 40, but it's the Sing Psalms version this time. And it's at verse 11. That's found on page 51 of uh, the Psalter. Psalm 40, at verse 11, page 51 of the Psalter. Do not withhold your mercy, Lord. Surround your servant constantly with your great love and faithfulness, for many troubles threaten me. My sins have overtaken me. They are more than hairs upon my head. My heart within me fails for grief. I cannot see the way ahead. Verses 11 to 17 of Psalm 40. Do not withhold your mercy, Lord.
Let's turn for a few moments to the passage that we've read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, and we'll read again at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the uh, Holy Spirit. Now let's, by God's enabling, seek to explore something of this area of Scripture. What I hope to do today is, I hope to say a little bit, first of all, about the mother in this area of Scripture. I then want to say a little bit about the father, and then to say something about uh, the child, because all um, are mentioned here. In Old Testament times, amongst the Jewish women, there was this awareness that someone special was coming. And uh, from the time of uh, Adam and Eve, the promise had been given that there would be a, a child born into this world who was going to change this world utterly and completely. And it is because of that child coming in, he has come into the world, it's because of that very child that you and I are here today doing what we are doing at this uh, precise moment uh, in time. But we are told of this woman Mary here. Mary was, we are told, uh, betrothed to a Joseph, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And it's important for me to say a little bit about betrothal, first of all, because in our culture, in our society, people will get engaged and they will be engaged for well, however long, some engagements last a long, long time, some engagements don't last uh, all that long at all, but uh, engagement uh, is a commitment to go on to become, to become married but in our culture engagements uh, couples can break off the engagement and, that, and that's it it's just a norm, it's an acceptable thing Things don't seem to be working out and the engagement comes to an end and that's it. People go their uh, separate ways. It wasn't like that with a betrothal. A betrothal was a much more of a commitment and in order to get out of a betrothal, you had to have a, a divorce. Now, in our society, we have marriage and I'm talking about the traditional biblical view of marriage. I'm not going into this uh, new definitions of marriage that have come on the scene in recent years I'm talking about the biblical historical uh, view on, on, on marriage this God's view where you have a husband and you have a wife and there is a, a, a lifelong uh, commitment uh, to one another in, uh, in, the bond of, uh, in the bond of marriage but sometimes marriages just don't work out and scripture doesn't ignore that. There seems to be two different uh, uh, grounds for, 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 for divorce. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we've got to the stage in our society where we're coming up with this idea of uh, no-fault divorce. And it's just going to be an added disaster to the institution of marriage. It's in a bad enough shape as it is, but it will become even worse with this whole notion of no-fault. And... Um, and, and, and making it easier uh, 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 to, 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 to have, a, have a divorce. The biblical view is that uh, adultery is a ground for uh, a divorce, and so too is desertion. Um, now, it's not the case that if, if a wife or a husband commits adultery, there has to be a divorce. There, there's the option of forgiveness, and... Uh, 
marriages can't can continue with with that kind of problem having having occurred, and it's the same with desertion. But the the biblical approach to this whole idea is that there can be uh, an innocent party in uh, the breakup of a marriage, and there are grounds for divorce on the basis of uh, adultery or um, or desertion. The marriage comes to an end with divorce. Betrothal was such a commitment that it needed a divorce as well. And the difference between betrothal and marriage was the, 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 the relationship was not consummated or the marriage had not been uh, cons- consummated. That's the difference. And that's what we were being told in this, uh, in this area of Scripture. Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. That is, together in terms of sexual union, there was no consummation. But before they came together, she was found to be with a child. So here is Mary, and she is carrying a child, and she has never been in sexual union with any man uh, whatsoever. Now you can well imagine uh, what uh, some of the critics would be saying about Mary. You know, Mary was blessed with a child, and, and every child is a blessing. Every child is a blessing. Uh, a, gift, a gift from God. You know, we have just marked uh, 50 years since, uh, since um, no, it can't be 50. Um, it's gone from my memory, but it's around five decades of, uh, of um, abortion being uh, available in, in, in the United Kingdom. Since it came in in 1967, um, there have been over 10 million um, abortions. You know, we look on the thing like the Holocaust and we, we, we recoil with horror that six million Jewish people were put to death during the Holocaust. And, and we rightly recoil uh, from that kind of uh, um, phenomenon. But uh, we have our own uh, Holocaust uh, on, a, on our own doorstep. Um, every child made in the image of God, whether born or unborn, and um, every child a gift given um, given by by uh, by God. And here was Mary, but but it wasn't just that Mary was given the gift of a child. She was given the gift of an absolutely and utterly unique child, because this child was none other than God Himself, come as a human being. And that was a tremendous blessing and that was a tremendous privilege. And Mary, Mary would sing, a, 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 or, or at least it's an outbursting of praise in, in, in what we know of as the, as the Magnificat. And, uh, of course, Mary has been made a lot of in some churches. There's this idea that Mary never ever sinned herself, but she tells us in her, in her outbursting of praise in the Magnific, Magnificat that He's my saviour too. And, uh, you know, if we ask what kind of saviour is Jesus, when well, we've been told in this very passage, he shall save his people from their sins. You know, we can be different kinds of saviour. You know, I might be passing a house and it's on fire and you go in and you get the people out of the house. You've, you've saved them from the flames of that uh, particular house fire or you might save someone from drowning what kind of saviour are you you've saved them from drowning what kind of saviour is Jesus he saves his people and that's the qualification who are his people his people are those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved and Mary is in the same boat as you and I if we are here as believers this day he's my saviour too she says and she rejoices greatly in that. So it was a tremendous blessing, the blessing of a child, but not just the blessing of a child, but a, the blessing of the child, 
that was promised from, from Adam and Eve onwards. A tremendous blessing for, uh, for, for Mary. But you know, that kind of blessing didn't come without its problems. Because you can well imagine what the gossips were saying about Mary. You know, they, you know Mary and Joseph were, were, were just people. And the community that they lived amongst knew that they were that kind of people. And, 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 and here, was, um, here was Mary with, with, with child. And she would, have had, uh, she would have had a hard time. She would have had a hard time from, from others around her. It was not easy uh, for, for Mary. But she was the mother of, uh, of Jesus. And she bears herself. She bears herself with, uh, with dignity. And let's remember this, that both Mary and Joseph were poor. We know that because uh, the ritual that she was required to go uh, through, the ritual of purification after the birth of the child, it's two pigeons that they offered up to God. And that's a reminder to us of what kind of God we are here today to worship, you know. When Abel offered up his offering to God, he gave of the firstling of his flock and of the fat thereof. He gave of the very best. But he was in a position to, to give up that kind of thing because God had blessed him in that kind of way. Not everybody's in that kind of position. Uh, some people would offer up bulls, some people would offer up goats, some people would offer up lambs. But if you were really poor, a pair of pigeons were what could be offered. It's a reminder to us of this, the broad sweep of uh, the graciousness of God towards the human race. And it doesn't matter what our social standing may be, and it doesn't matter what kind of money we may or may not have in our banks this day, God has made it possible for every last one of us to be at one with him and to be reconciled uh, to him. But here is Mary, and uh, she is none other than the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we are told specifically when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So effectively what we're being told here is that Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus. He is effectively the adoptive father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary's the biological mother. Joseph is not the biological uh, father. So what on earth has gone on here? Now let's remember this. We are speaking here about the Holy Spirit. And we are told precisely that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Now let's talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit first of all. Because when we come to this book of Revelation that God has given to the human race about himself, we come up against this truth. There is one God and one God only. And yet, there are persons. There's a Father and a Son and a Holy Spirit. Who amongst us can understand these things? We cannot. You know, if you are someone who struggles to think, well, I, I, we, we call it the Trinity. That's what the theologians call it. And you won't find the word Trinity in Scripture, but uh, you will find the, the uh, one God and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You will find that in Scripture. So it has a scriptural, it has a scriptural basis. But if you find yourself thinking, well, I just have my mind really stretched with all this kind of uh, information, then you're not in a different boat to anybody else. The person that says... I know the Trinity, I've understood it all, is either deceiving themselves or just telling blatant, blatant lies. Now, of course, this is where people will come and say of Christians, mock Christians and say, you, you believe things that you don't fully understand and, 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 and maybe fall about laughing in, in scorn. Well, 
That thing happens all the time. That thing happens all the time. When we were doing our Harvest Thanksgiving service here, I spoke about photosynthesis. How uh, these plants out there can take the, the light from the sun and turn it into food. And if that didn't happen, we simply wouldn't survive on this planet. There isn't a person on the face of this planet that fully understands the process of uh, photosynthesis. You know, there isn't a single person on this planet today who knows what energy is. These plants take the energy from the light of the sun. That's what they're harnessing. And that's what causes them to be able to um, produce food for themselves and to grow. But there's nobody on the face of this planet knows what energy is. I was reading a book recently, and it's by John Carson Lennox, who held a chair in mathematics at Oxford University until fairly recently. And the book's called Against the Flow. And he talks about this very thing. He was in discussion with a physicist uh, on this occasion, and he asked the physicist to tell him what energy is. And what the physicist started doing was he started describing aspects of energy. But uh, Lennox pointed out to him, you're only describing, you're not telling me what it is. And the physicist had to put his hands up and admit, yeah, you're right. That is what I am doing. And I guess that's what we're doing with God as well. We are not saying we fully understand God. We, we, we understand certain aspects of God, certain descriptions of God that were given from Scripture and, of course, other things we glean from God from the general revelation around us. But we're not saying that we, uh, fully, that we fully understand God uh, at all. You know, where I live... There, there's a row of um, electricity poles runs up through the field and through the garden and then on and into, the, into the next field. And, you know, I often look at these poles and I think, well, my laptop works because of what's in these poles are conveying or the, the line at any rate. The cooker, the fridge, the freezer. And then I start thinking, now, now what is electricity? And I think, I haven't a clue what electricity is. But I can describe certain aspects of it. And it's exactly the same with God himself. And here is God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit does something with this woman. God the Holy Spirit overshadows her. And in particular, God overshadows an egg within this woman known as the Virgin Mary. Now in normal uh, sexual relationships there is a male factor and a female factor of the sperm fertilizes the eggs and the egg produces 23 chromosomes the sperm the other 23 they come together and you've got your first cell of a human being the cell divides into 2 then into 4 then into 16 then into 32 and so on and so forth until well they tell us nowadays that every human being consists of 3 trillion different cells in all their diversity Mind-boggling stuff. Absolutely mind-boggling stuff. But here is Mary, and there has been no union. And what it reminds us of this area of Scripture is this. When God created this universe, he creates a mass. It looks as if it's a kind of liquid mass. And after he, these are the basic building blocks... And as far as we know, the human race has discovered, I think, 118 and some will say 119 different elements in this universe. Maybe we're going to discover more, I'm not sure. But we're at the 118, 119 mark right now. Those that are up on the periodic table will, will know a lot more about that than, than I do. But um, this mass of stuff that he, began, that he begins to work on and to mould and fashion, and, and this is what you, you get out of it. You get this universe. And you think, how does God do that? Well, we cannot tell all, all the details of how God does it. But he tells us in his revelation to us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he starts going on to uh, some more detail of it, but not by any manner of means 
all the details. But what we are told is this, that the Spirit of God hovered over this mass. First of all, it was empty, it was void, and there was darkness. And then God begins to work on the mass. And it seems to be the same idea that's going on with the Virgin Mary. That God operates in a unique and miraculous way to produce the 23 male chromosomes that will be the starting point, if you like, of this human life that we know of as, uh, as Jesus of Nazareth. You know, some people will shrug their shoulders at this notion of a, of a virgin birth and they will say, impossible, impossible. And it's almost as if they're saying, well, we know how it operates, uh, we know how it works uh, in normal circumstances. Who knows how it works in normal circumstances? We know that the male and the female have to come together and there has to be the 23 chromosomes of each coming together. How does that work, though? You know, when, when in the book of Job it's, it's brought up, how are the bones of a child formed within a mother's womb? And you think, I haven't the remotest clue how the bones of a child, or the heart, or liver, or kidneys, or brain, or anything else, it's way beyond us. It's, 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 there's, a, there's a sufficient amount of awesomeness there to equate with the awesomeness of what God does in the miracle of, a, of the virgin birth. The Father is the Holy Spirit who is part of the Trinity that is God. And indeed, when Jesus begins his public ministry, one of the names that he will not shy away from is, I am the Son of God. And that's what got him crucified ultimately on the cross at, uh, at Calvary. So the mother is Mary. She's the biological uh, mother of Jesus. The father, the Holy Spirit, overshadows. The Holy Spirit, who is part of the Trinity, is uh, the one who causes this miracle to take place, whereby Mary is with child. And then I said I would say something about uh, the child here. And I've touched on it already. The human race from the beginning was on the lookout for this child. Now, the, re the revelation of God to the human race, we have to remember this, is a progressive revelation. What God told to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and even when they were put out of the Garden of Eden, is not the same as God has given to you and I. We have 66 books in the Bible. 39 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament books. We have an enormous amount of information given to us uh, by God. Now if the apostles are able to say of God's revelation, there are some things in it that are hard to understand, then it's not going to be a surprise if you and I find things in it that are difficult to understand. And you know, I remember the minister who used to be, he was my minister in my Dingwall days, and then um, in my Inverness days, and latterly he was the minister of Stornoway, Reverend uh, Murdo Alec MacLeod. And I remember he, also, he would say that you can find a text in the Bible to support anything at all, anything. And, and he was absolutely right. You can pluck something out of these 66 books that will justify anything at all. But that's not the approach that you have to have when it comes to Scripture. You've got to have a broad sweep. You've got to take in the other information. For example, when the Scripture says of Jesus that the whole world went after him, it didn't literally mean the whole world. It meant that a vast number of people were following Jesus in his earthly sojourn. You've got to take in the broad sweep when you are uh, reading, when you are reading a, a scripture. So what Adam and Eve knew was very limited compared to the revelation that you and I uh, have. I mean, what did, for example, King David 
No. A thousand years before, David, before Jesus was born, what did King David know about this, about his Savior? Did, did, did he know that he would be put on a cross outside the city walls? We just need to come down to the time of Jesus' own life when he had his own disciples. Um, this whole notion of Jesus dying was so alien and foreign to even his 11 believing disciples. Now Peter is there saying to him, that be far from you, when Jesus is talking about it, that be far from you, eh, Lord. So there is this progressive nature of revelation. Of course we have it all now. The, the apex of the revelation of God comes in Jesus Christ himself. This is the Jesus who will die at 33 years of age. This is the very Jesus that we are reading of in this uh, area of Scripture. Adam and Eve are rebels against God. Because you and I are all related to Adam and Eve, I'm afraid we are all rebels against God. Whether we're going to admit it or not, we are here today as downright rebels. And there are are consequences that go along with rebellion against God. But God has done something to change things. God has broken into the flow of the human race. And here it is. He breaks in with this conception. He breaks in with these 23 chromosomes. And you know, you think, well, God's doing things differently here, isn't he? This is different the way he's doing it. You know, God is always doing things differently. These miracles of Jesus, they just stand out. They're meant to stand out. Why are they meant to stand out? They're meant to get the human race thinking. What on earth is going on here? What is this all about? And that's what God is driving at all the time. Why is God doing that? Because God's still interested in us. God knows us, God sees our plight, God sees our sinfulness, and he's done something about it, and it's as if he's saying, look at this, look at this, pay attention to this, give this your mind, give this your focus. Why? God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, this is the son, the child here, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And there it is. The mother is this woman Mary. She's the biological mother of this, the father. It's a miracle by the eternal God, effected by the power and the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. And this child is in the womb of the Virgin Mary and will be there, we guess, for about nine months, born, and 33 years later, dies. 40 days after the resurrection, returns to heaven. That's why you and I are here this day. Does it stand out? Yes, it does. Why does it stand out? Because God is saying, look at this. Pay attention to this. Find out what this is all about and what is it all about. It's about us being made one with God once again. And whatever else we do in life's journey, let's not let this pass us by. You know, we come to Christmas time. There are good things and there are bad things about Christmas. The commercialism is, is not good. The families getting together is a great thing. But let's remember this, what is really at the heart this virgin is with child as a result of the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit and the child is the promised child who is the saviour of the world. May we all bow afresh in adoration once again this day. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord our God, we thank you that you are who you are and that you've done what you've done you and you alone have given us hope.
may we rejoice afresh in it this day. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's conclude by singing to God's praise from Psalm number 72. Psalm 72 and at verse 17. His name forever shall endure. Last like the sun it shall. Men shall be blessed in him. And blessed all nations shall him call. Verses 17 to the end. His name forever shall endure. grace, mercy, and peace from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest on and abide with each one, both now and forever.